Amen. How great thou art. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for each and every one that has had a part in the service thus far. Um, I stand amazed and, uh, and just thankful for the dedication and the commitment that these young people have made to serve our Lord and King and uh, to do it publicly. I know that's tough at times to do things that you may have not ever done before, to stand in front of uh, a group of people that you may not know or you may know real well. It's hard. And uh, so, man, they've, they've done a great job this morning. So I just want to say thank you again. For everybody that's done that, man, you guys have led us in worship, and I appreciate you doing that. Continue on to do that. Wherever you're at, wherever God calls you, uh, he's going to call you in a lot of places and use you to do a lot of things. So just continue, continue on in that. So, again, thankful to be here this morning. Congratulations to our graduates and uh, for all that's going on. Man, we're excited for you guys. Uh, I'm excited to be here, excited to share your uh, God's Word with you this morning. Uh, Back a little, back, I cannot say that word, I admit, Todd can say it, thank you, that word, we'll be here tonight, uh, so come be a part of that and join in with our students and with our, uh, those that are graduating, um, it's a good day and a good time to celebrate, so we're going to look this morning about how serious we are in our walk with the Lord, and uh, I want to ask you that question as we start in this morning, are you serious enough to sign? Um, how many in the room today have made some kind of commitment throughout life or made some kind of agreement or bond or commitment with somebody? I'd say about most everybody in the room. At some time, you either have or you will made a, a commitment or an agreement or a bond or maybe a settlement, something uh, of that sort, some kind of bond, uh, some kind of commitment or con- uh, covenant with somebody. And uh, if we look at that, there's uh, usually um, somewhere on there, on that terms, uh, there's, there's the things that you're agreeing to, and there's also the, the list of parties that are involved in that. It may be a couple parties, it may be an organization, there are different things, but when you look at it, there's at least two of those things on there, all the things that you're committing to, and then the people's name, uh, usually with their signature, and that signifies that that's you individually, your signature on that agreement. And what that does is to signify that you understand what is being requested of you. And you're being accountable to those that you're signing with, that you are going to uphold your end of the deal. You're going to take care of your roles and responsibilities and accomplish what you said you're going to. We all kind of understand that. And it really helps us to stay focused because if you know that, you know that you have that job and that task, then you can usually end up being a little more focused because you know there's some people that's keeping up with it. And uh, so as I thought about that this morning, we got a lot of people here in this room in particular, or the graduates and different ones that are getting ready um, to go into some different roles and responsibilities, and they're committing. And uh, so we want to look at that a little bit this morning. Our graduates, I thought about them, a lot of them are getting ready to go off to college, and uh, they're signed already with some universities and different uh, places to say that they're going to attend class. Okay, so you got to go to class also. You can't just sign up. you got to go to class. Mom and dad are paying, and they're helping you to go to class. Okay, don't forget that. All right? So they're, they're expecting you to go, and they're expecting you to study, to do your very best, and to give your all. And uh, they, in return, that university or that college, in return, they're signing 
uh, an agreement with there. They're going to provide you with all the studies, the professors, and all the places and all the things that you need to further your education. So uh, it's kind of neat. I got to see Isaac the other day. He got to sign with uh, Lindsey Wilson, going to play some ball. So there's some responsibilities there that he signed, and it's pretty cool to go over and see that. But he made an agreement with them that he's not only going to go to school there, but he's going to commit to playing ball and doing all these things with them. And they also made that commitment. One of their coaches come down, it's pretty cool to see. So our graduates also, some of you, will be going into the workplace. All right, so when you get a new job, a lot of times that place of, of uh, employment will ask you to sign some kind of a document. And what that is, that's just, again, just reminding you of the, uh, the roles and responsibilities that they're requesting you to do. Uh, going into a new place, and they've asked you to accomplish some tasks, and in return, you're hoping that they're going to pay you a good salary, right? We'll get some money back out of that deal. So they're going to uphold her in. You're going to do your end. So we've got a commitment there. Marriage. We've got some in here that's talking a whole lot about wedding plans and marriages, and I won't point you out. But anyway, you know who you are. Richer, poor, sickness and health, better, worse, till death do us part, right? We know there's a lot of things that come along with that. You get a marriage certificate, right? At the end of that ceremony, both parties sign that. And you got some witnesses and all that. And uh, that's to remind you that that marriage is still good, not only after that week of the honeymoon, right? You're still committed at, after the first year, right, just to continue on. You've made a commitment to that person, and you've had witnesses to uh, see that. Uh, parents, anybody in here? we got a lot of new babies. Praise the Lord for new babies. We've got some that's getting ready, too. Well, um, they give you a little thing when you get ready to leave the hospital, right? This thing you sign off on, birth certificates and all that. That is a, a reminder that that is your child, okay? They, uh, they, don't just, uh, they, don't, they don't want you to just leave that child there at the hospital, okay? You sign to make sure they know that's yours and you're going to take it home with you. And uh, it's kind of a reminder. You can get that out and look at it years down the road and uh, that that kid is yours, not only when he's cute and cuddly, and uh, but when he's also cranky or stinky or hungry at one o'clock or two o'clock and three o'clock and however many times he gets up through the night, that is your child. I think it's also probably for the preteen and teen years too that remind you that that is still your child. Okay, that birth certificate's got your name and theirs on it. That is your child. So we understand commitments. We've got them every day throughout our lives, and we understand these. But I think at times we miss the commitment that we have to the Lord. And uh, we slack off a little bit on that. So this morning, that's what I want us to look at, especially for you guys as you're getting ready to go into new roles and responsibilities. Man, God's called you into a commitment, into a relationship with him. And he wants you to further that on wherever you're at with him, wherever he sends you. He wants you to further that commitment. So we're going to look at that. Commitment, I believe, is a strong and powerful word. And, uh, and that's where we're going to focus today. I believe it's important, and it's not to be taken lightly. Without commitment, the problem with that, when we leave commitment out, it leaves room for compromise. So then we begin to look into things that are not pleasing to God, and we begin to swerve or very often different ways other than what God's called us to do. If we look at it with, uh, without commitment, we compromise on integrity in our jobs, and we don't accomplish or do the job that he's called us to do. We don't do it in the ways that are pleasing to him. We may make bad deals or bad transactions or different things, and we compromise there. Without commitment, we compromise maybe in our vows to our spouses. If we don't remember that how much God loves us and we're to show that to our spouse, and man, we begin to, to veer off and compromise in our relationships with our spouses. Without commitment, it says we compromise on being the father and the mother that God's called us to be. Children are a blessing from God, 
and God's called us as parents to be their parents, okay? That's not something we need to compromise on. It's not always easy, but uh, that's what he's called us to do. So we understand the list goes on and on. You guys are busy people, and I know that, and you've got all kinds of roles and responsibilities, but uh, you list there whatever that's, that calling is for you. But I want you to know that without our commitment, we compromise sometimes on a relationship with God. So we want to look at that this morning about what that looks like to have a commitment or a covenant with God and to be actively pursuing that. Uh, this morning we're going to look in the book of Nehemiah where God's people, they had made a commitment, they made a covenant, it says, with God. And I hope that this scripture and this passage today encourages you and your walk with him. And I want to keep you um, kind of focused on this one uh, phrase this morning, that God's commitment to me empowers me to commit to God. God's commitment to me empowers me now to commit to God. And I hope and pray that you can say the same thing today for your life. And it's not only to commit to God, but also to commit to those around you, to commit to the others that he's placed in your life. And we're going to look at three things, really. I want to pull out three things in this passage today. I want to look at the who. Who is God calling in this commitment? What are they committing to? And why would they commit to do that? So if you'll pick up with me, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. Uh, we're going to start in verse 38. Um, it should be on the screen, but whatever translation, you can read along. Um, to give a little bit of background, if you'll look, kind of the book of Ezra kind of goes along and it just kind of continues on into Nehemiah, but they rebuild the temple. And it goes on a while, and the temple uh, is rebuilt, but it's not really being used for what it should be because now all the walls are tore down. So they don't have any way of protecting what God's given them now, and they're allowing lots of things to come in that shouldn't be. It's not what it was built for. And so they allow all these different things to come in and make it something else. And Nehemiah sees that need for his people, and he's burdened. He begins to pray and just pour out and ask God to help him to get those people back in line. So he goes there. And rebuilds the wall, and he does it in like a miraculous time, like 52 days. And, man, they're working hard. They're dedicated. They're committed. It says sometimes that they're, they're working with one hand, holding a sword with the other, fighting off. I mean, that's pretty dedicated, right? I mean, they were dedicated to doing what God had called them to do. And so when they get all that done, man, they begin to look back and see God's faithfulness and how he has provided and how he's took care of them through that whole process. And that's what we're looking at today in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. Read with me. It says, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Nehemiah 10, verse 1 says, on the seals are the names of Nehemiah the governor and the son of, and that's where I'm going to stop. All right. I can't say the other word a while ago. I know I'm not going to get these right, okay? That's a long list of folks. If you're looking for baby names, I don't know, Emily, I don't know what y'all got picked out, but one of these might pop out. I don't know. Take a look. Anyway, I can't say them. But the deal is here, I want you to look. There's a lot of names listed here. And it's very important. This is kind of where we're going to pick up and start looking at the who. If you'll take, there's like 84 names that are listed here. Nehemiah, he's the very first one here. He's listed as governor. And it goes on, it's got 22 priests, 17 Levites, and 44 other leaders and officials. And, uh, man, it's significant to look at that because they were willing to put their name on there. I thought, man, that's wonderful, isn't it, to think about our leaders in that day that were willing to make a public proclamation that they were going to serve the one true God. They were committed to him, 
and what he had called them to do. They had took their role and responsibility, and they said, hey, God, we're going to serve you first and foremost. And uh, I praise God today for leaders that are like that. Man, we got lots of people in our counties and in our state and our country and our world that are doing that today. And uh, it's a blessing to see those people that are in leadership roles in our governments and different places that are leading in those areas. So if you're one of those, I encourage you just to continue on, man. Continue to seek the Lord in your area of, of leadership. And uh, I praise God for those people and our businesses, our schools, uh, our homes, our communities, our organizations. These people were leaders, and they took responsibility. Uh, But just think about that if all of them were like that. Let's be honest. There's a lot of leaders today that are not seeking the Lord in their decisions. But just think if they all did, how that would impact our world, how that would impact our state, our counties, our communities, our homes. Just think about that. If you were committed in those leadership processes and leadership positions, man, just to commit that to the Lord. And I catch myself a lot of times talking a lot maybe about those situations and think, man, they may not be doing what I think they ought to be doing. But I don't catch myself a lot of times praying for them. So I want to commend you today to lift those up in prayer. Man, God has allowed those people into those positions and places to lead, and he has allowed that time. So I think it's our duty and our responsibility to lift those up in prayer. So I want to ask you as a church just to commit to praying for these people. Uh, commit to lifting them up daily to live for the Lord. Man, it will change. They're making lots of decisions and uh, lots of um, things that that uh, affect us each and every day. So, man, we can do our part to lift them up to, in prayer that they'll not be ashamed of serving our Lord and Savior. So uh, that's where I kind of want to look at there real quick, just about the leadership. Those people in leadership were committed. And then it goes on to a little bit different here. It says in verse, uh, starting in verse 28, it says, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. Verse 29, Join with their brothers, their nobles. Did you catch that part? The rest of the people. That is significant to me. That has stood out to me. I've been studying this for a while, and it just continues to pour into me. The rest of the people. You see, I'm afraid that many a times if we don't see our name up here in this long list of names that I can't pronounce, sometimes if we don't see our names in those roles and leadership responsibilities, then we shy away from our responsibility. We think, man, we're not important. My name's not on that list, so I'm not really important. It don't matter what I do. It don't matter if I serve the Lord in this area or not. But that's not what God is saying. He says the rest of the people individually were committed. I want you to hear that today, the rest of the people. I want you to dwell on that for a little bit. Because I think a lot of times that's what Satan does. He thinks He, he makes us think. And makes us believe that if we're not on that list, then we're not important. And I want you to understand that is a lie from Satan. You are important to God's kingdom. You are important to God. The things that you do day in and day out matter. In your home, in your families, in your work, in your school, these things matter. And I want you to understand the rest of the people. Man, well, that, that's important today to understand. We may not understand it all. We may not see the effects at times. 
But God desires that personal relationship with you that you will serve him. I thought about our praise team. I was listening last Sunday, and, man, it it was full up up here with different ones playing and singing. And uh, Corey and Catherine, they do a good job in leading that. But um, each one is individually talented. They can all play and sing awesome. I love to hear them all play and do their thing. But when you continue to add, you got acoustic guitar and you got a bass guitar and we got electric guitar we got a drummer and we got a piano and Corey brings in some from CU with all these horns and man it just continues to grow and I get to sit up here and I kind of get in between it all so I get to hear all this that's going on up here and then I get to hear all that that's going on back here and you guys singing and, and pouring in it's awesome to see how important that you are individually in that part of worship so I don't want you to take that for granted it continues to grow. You think about a rope, uh, a braided rope, man, just the strength of that braided rope. If you were just to take them all out and just have one little single strand, it wouldn't be near as strong. But we have it all together. Remember that story uh, back in John chapter 4. It says when Jesus left Judea and he was headed to Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. It said in verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And they kind of go on about their conversation a little bit. We'll skip a little bit to verse 13. It says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks from the water, uh, drinks of this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. And Jesus goes on to begin to tell her about her life and the things that she's involved with. And he knows all about her. And that was just a reminder, man, God knows all that's going on in your life. You are important to him. Just again, just that reminder of how important you are. And he wants her to commit to him. And he wants you to do the same today. He wants you to commit to him. We have no idea how many people uh, put their name on all this, but it says that the rest of the people we'll never know. Maybe till we get to heaven, we'll see some of those people that, that actually committed to sign that. It doesn't list every name, but it simply lists the rest of the people. They didn't say, I'll sit back, and, well, that's good enough. Our leaders are signed up. I'll just let them do their thing, or I'm going to just let them be responsible for that. It says, no, that now the rest of the people were willing to commit individually and take responsibility for their covenant with God and to each other. They saw that responsibility, and they were all in. And I kind of looked at this, and I saw it as a beautiful picture of what our church needs to be like today. I praise God for Brother Todd and Brother Blake and their leadership here at Greensburg Baptist as under-shepherds and the way they lead us in, in serving the Lord. But, guys, it takes all of us. These two men can't do it all, and they don't need to. We've got a role and responsibility, each one of us individually, to go out and to be uh, the witness and the light here in our community. These people weren't going to sit back and let anybody else take their responsibility or pull their weight. So I wonder today, I wonder, is that you? Are you allowing others to take your responsibility? Or are you stepping up and committing and saying, hey, God, I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do? I don't have to be on that leader's list. I don't have to have my name on the marquee, but I'm willing to serve you wherever you are. Am I doing that? I ask myself continually, God, am I doing what you've called me to do? Are we all in? Are we committed to each other? So what is God calling you to do? I want you to be pondering about that today individually, you individually, because your role is important. We are not to set idle, and these people weren't going to do that. They were committed. They were all in. So now that we kind of covered the who, I want us to look into the what, into this passage. What did the people commit to do? And it says that in this, this particular passage, we're going to kind of look at three different things that they committed to do. The first one, they committed themselves to the word of God. And it said in verse 29, 
join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath. Man, this is important. They say, hey, we're going to take responsibility, the good and the bad we mess up. Hey, we take that. But good, man, we're going to walk in God's laws that um, that was given by Moses to the ser- the servant of God and to observe and, that's an important word, I need to mark it out for you, but observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his rules and his statutes. These people didn't say that it was going to be enough for them to do a daily Bible reading plan, join some kind of Bible study once a week, and just to read God's word. They committed to observe and to do all that he had commanded them to do. They, they were getting into God's word for daily living and guidance. And I wonder, are we doing that today? read a verse in Psalm chapter 119, verse 33. It says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Verse 34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. He says, Teach me so I can do it. Not just to know it, not just to hear it, but I can do it. Give me understanding not only that I'll know about it, but now I'll be able to live by it. And uh, with his whole heart, it says here in this scripture, allowing it to get down into the deep places. Now, sometimes I think we're good with God's word as long as it uh, don't get into those deep places. But here, these people are committed, and they're saying, man, we want all in. We're willing to observe it and to do it. James verse uh, chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be, he will be blessed in his doings. How do you be blessed? By doing what God's calling you to do and hearing it through his word. As I read through that, man, parents... Wow, it kind of hit me kind of hard. The responsibilities that we have as parents to teach our children, to teach our young people God's Word, and uh, for that to be an encouragement to guide them along their path. So uh, we have a, a responsibility to get into God's Word so that God's Word can get into us. And um, so just to be transformed. I think Romans 12 talks about that, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. All right, not to just be observers, but doers. All right, so we looked at that, committed themselves to God's word. And the second thing they did, said they separated themselves from the world. Verse 28, and then we're going to skip a little bit. The end there it says, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the lands of the law of God. Verse 30, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or to take their daughters for our sons. If you look at that, kind of the people here, they were making a vow to keep their relationships and their marriages pure and away from immorality and worship of anything that was adultery or false gods. And remember, we're looking at God's people here. And uh, all the other people around them were serving and worshiping pagan gods. Uh, So if you think about that, they recognized that it wouldn't work for them if they were to be intermingling with that. And uh, they would they would probably tend to veer off in other directions other than what God had called them to do. So my encouragement today for you guys that may be entering into relationships, looking for spouses or looking for relationships, um, kind of tough, but don't 
don't get into relationships with people who aren't Christians or believing the same way that you are. And then you won't have to worry about ever marrying somebody who's not a Christian and trying to win them to the Lord. I'm not saying that that don't happen at times. And God can use those situations, and he, can, he may use you to bring them to the Lord. But it's going to be really hard, and it's going to make situations really hard and marriage really hard if you're not serving the same God. And uh, so here, that's kind of what these people are saying. Man, we're committed to even protect our relationships, protect our marriages, and uh, so to guard our relationships, to separate yourselves from those who separate you from God. Stay away from other relationships that draw you away from God. Uh, I remember a pastor one time, I think we was at Changers one time, and he was talking about telling the young people, if you're looking for a wife, he said, don't do that. He says, kind of have a Hebrews 12 moment, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus. All right, so if you're looking for somebody, you need to just stop looking for them and look to Jesus. He said, just continue to run, man, just chase after Jesus with all your heart. And he says, all of a sudden, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look over and realize that there's somebody else that's running along beside you. And they're doing the same thing. And that's the person God's placed in your life. So continue to focus on him. And I thought about that a little bit. I've seen this analogy before. I wanted to share it with you. Um, where's Sandy Golf? She in here? She'd be so proud. My geometry's coming back out of me. Two-dimensional equilateral triangle. All right, I remembered. I listened a little bit in class. All right. This is a good analogy for you. If you're married or if you're in a relationship uh, it really works well for me and Lindsay. We don't always get it right, but if we will stay on this track, I guarantee you it will help you. Uh, if you'll look at this a little bit, this is just kind of an image to help you. If I am focused on my relationship with the Lord, man, I'm seeking him out and I'm growing. But if Lindsay's doing that same thing, well, she's really moving up here. Look at her distance. Well, when we started down here, we had quite a bit of distance apart, right? But more as our relationship with the Lord began to grow, we each began to grow closer to each other. Simple analogy, but man, it makes sense, don't it? When we're growing closer to the Lord in our own individual walk, man, if we're beginning doing that and growing with each other, man, our, our walk with the Lord will eventually rub off on our, our walk with our spouse. And man, it'll help you to grow in that relationship. Same works in the opposite way. If you're moving away from the Lord, you can expect that that movement away from your spouse. So just again, just a reminder of how important it is about your relationships to commit those to the Lord. Third thing, they committed to keep the Sabbath holy. Not only was they committed to God's word and the relationships, but to keep the Sabbath holy. It says in verse 31, And if the people of the land will bring in uh, goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. As I looked at that here, I thought about that a little bit on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath here is not Sunday. We all kind of recognize that, right? We don't celebrate uh, here on the Sabbath. We celebrate worship on Sunday. Sabbath here means seven, right? So these people here, they were, they were celebrating the Sabbath, the actual Saturday there on the seventh when God rested the seventh day, they too were supposed to rest. Uh, we don't worship like that. Why? Because of Jesus' resurrection. All right, He was uh, died there on the, the Friday, and on the third day, Sunday, he was, he was raised to life. So now we worship according to that resurrection, and we celebrate that day. But it's important here to look back at that and to see their, their commitment to keep the Sabbath holy. And uh, here's why. Because all these other nations around them, 
was practicing and doing other things, serving other gods, and they were trying to come in and do that same thing. It was actually kind of a ploy to divert their worship, to try to distract them from doing what God uh, had called them to do, what they're supposed to be doing, worshiping God and serving God there. These people here in Nehemiah, they were committed, though. They wanted to experience all that God had for them. They were serious about spending time with the Lord, being in his word, and being in fellowship with others, and, uh, and spending time in worship. So I had a wonder, and I thought about that, and they didn't want anything to come between them and their worship with the one true God. And I kind of thought about that in our own personal lives. I wonder about you. Would you commit to spending time with God? Is your commitment on Sundays pleasing to God? What about the rest of the week? Are you committed to serving God not only on Sunday morning and here, but throughout the week? Do you spend time in worship with, at home, by yourself, with your family, with your children, with your spouse, reading God's Word, praying through those, um, speaking that, focusing on Him, uh, committed to worship? These people were committed, and they weren't going to let these others come in and do that. They was going to be committed to serving Him. So I kind of thought about those three things, and I thought, man, that's a lot of commitment. They, they're pretty on course. They're, they're striving in the right way. But why would they do that? What caused these people to have such a desire for the Lord? What caused them to commit in such a way? If you'll think back and look, we started off first in, in, in verse 39 of cha- or 38 of chapter 9. It says, because of all this, and we don't have time to go there today, but if you'll look back and read through chapter 9, and you read through all of Nehemiah, it's, it's a great book to read through. But because of all this, all right, that now they're committing. If you look back at that, the people here were reminded of God's faithfulness to his people, to his ancest, to their ancestors, how God had made a covenant. It talks about with Abraham, and he had kept his promise with him, how God had brought his people out of bondage in Egypt, and he had provided for them every day the daily needs that they had when they were there in the wilderness even when they were disobedient and stiff-necked and did not follow his commandments. Even when they rebelled against God in all those times, they were reminded of his love. And we'll share this verse in, in Nehemiah there. It kind of, kind of summed it all up. It says, They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They just saw it, but, man, they just they'd forgotten it. But they stiffed their neck and appointed a leader to return to the, their slavery in Egypt. That sounds kind of silly to me that they would even want to go back there after all God had done for them. But here's an important word, but. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. That's why these people were ready to make a firm commitment with them, with God, because he had not slacked off on his forgiveness his grace, his mercy, his love, he did not forsake them. And the same is true for us today. Man, God's grace is just as real today as it was for these people. God giving us what we don't deserve, or God giving us what we deserve. Man, God gives us love and forgiveness. And he says he also offers mercy here. God withholding what we do deserve. Man, a penalty and a punishment for our sins. That's what our sins deserve. But it says here that God was faithful. He didn't forsake them, but he gives them steadfast love, grace, and mercy. Man, isn't that wonderful? The people in Nehemiah committed to the Lord because the Lord was actually committed to them. And, friend, that's the same as it is today for you and I. And that's why I commend you today to commit your life to the Lord. God has not forsaken you. 
He is still ready to forgive. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding in steadfast love. And he has displayed that through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And I want to share one more scripture with you here. Kind of sums it up. First John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. And for our musicians and praise team will come. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us or shown in such a great way that God sent his son, his only son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Does it sound familiar? Not that we have loved God. Kind of sounds like those people there, wouldn't it? They didn't love God. They had turned away from him. But, there's a strong word again, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big churchy term, but it just simply says that, man, he made the payment for you. Your sin deserves the same punishment that he took for you on the cross. But God says, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal. I'm willing to make a covenant with you if you'll accept it. I've already done the work that I need to do through my son, Jesus Christ, if you're willing to accept that and commit your life to him. God says in his word, Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us, and while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Not that we have to get cleaned up to come to him. Not that we have to get things right before we come to him. He does that work. All he says is you just need to commit to him, and he'll take care of the cleaning up. And, and, and Paul, man, I love Paul's writings, but one of his scriptures was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. It says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Man, that changed Paul's life. He simply remembered his crucifixion. Man, Jesus was willing to give all so that you could have all. So I wonder today, as we get ready for our invitation, are you willing to give all? Are you determined to follow Christ? Whatever the cost, these people were, they were sold out for Jesus Christ and for the Lord. I wonder today, are you? Will you make that commitment? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. God, I thank you, God, for your calling and your drawing. God, just for your grace and your mercy. God, for your steadfast love that is unending. God, I praise you for that in my own life. God, I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy to stand up here this morning to tell these people about it. But God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. God, for the blood that he shed on the cross. God, that I may have eternal life. And not only I, but he said all people. So God, I pray this morning, if there's one here that don't know you, that does not know that forgiveness that you still offer today, God, I pray that you would help them to understand. These people here had an understanding and knowledge of what you had done. So God, I pray that this morning, God, that you will give these people understanding and knowledge of your love for them. God, that you will call them out of darkness and into the light. Lord, again, I thank you. I thank you, God, for your word and just the challenge, God, of committing our lives. God, may we do that each and every day, not just on Sunday mornings here at worship, but, God, every day in all times. God, whether that's at the baseball fields or, um, God, at home, wherever that may be, God, I pray that we are fully committed to you. Lord, again, I love you, and I pray, God, that you would just move now in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. to serve and say, hey, God, I'm all in. 
I know I hadn't been serving or I hadn't been doing what I should, but now I'm ready. Thank you for the reminder. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe it's at home, committing to your family, your spouse, whatever that looks like, I pray today that you would heed that calling and that you would answer that and commit to him. It's who I am. It's who I am. 